Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we're going to get involved in a board game. If you're my age or older, you might remember playing board games with family and friends. And one that I especially enjoyed was a mystery game called Clue, where to win, you had to figure out the answers to which character committed the murder, what room of the house it was committed in, and what weapon was involved. For example, it was Professor Plum in the billiard room with the candlestick. What in the world does this have to do with our study through the book of Mark? Well, our passage is Mark 4, verses 30 through 34, and it has to do with mystery, riddles, or in our case, parables, and clues. Don't worry, we're still committed to thorough expository preaching through the books of the Bible. As you follow along this week, you'll discover why Pastor Jim entitled this message, Colonel Mustard in the Field with the Word. If all it says is it's going to start small and, and, and go worldwide, you don't need this parable. He's already said it. That, that wouldn't add anything to what he has said. So look right here in the context for more clues. Clue number three would be the birds of the air. Now here is an important principle of Bible interpretation. I hope it's old hat for most of you, but if not, let me introduce you to it. The meaning of Any term which is not explained in its context, that meaning has to be what the original hearers or readers would have understood it to mean when spoken or written by the original writer or speaker. So, you know, you you don't just use words without a frame of reference, all right? Now, in this parable, Jesus used the phrase, the birds of the air. Now, the phrase... The birds of the air is used in several Old Testament passages, but it's used as a metaphor for several different things. You can tell if you look at the New American Standard uh, translation that that we preach from that they put the birds of the air in all caps. That's the way of symbolizing that in the New Testament, those are words which uh, are from the Old Testament. Well, the question is, where in the Old Testament? And Jesus didn't give us any hint that he was quoting the Old Testament. He wasn't referring to anything in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, he's telling you a mystery, which is things that aren't in the Old Testament. So I don't think he was quoting the Old Testament. But there is a great clue right in the context. Just before this, Jesus used the phrase, and then when he was with his disciples, he told them what he meant by it. He began the parable, the series of parables. Remember back in chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, he says, Listen to this. The sower went out to sow. As he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road. The birds came and ate it up. So he's just used birds to refer to those who destroy the effectiveness of the Word of God. 
you doubt whether that's what he meant, skip down to his own interpretation. Verses 14 and 15, he says, The sower sows the word. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. It's even clearer when you put this side by side with Luke's description of that parable and its interpretation. Luke chapter 8, verse 5, The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air, exact same phrase, ate it up. Then you skip down to Luke eight twelve, And those beside the road are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart, so that they may not believe and be saved. Now, I'm going to stick my neck way out, and I'm going to say that when Jesus uses the same term two or three times in the same discourse on the same day to the same people in the same place on the same subject, he's not switching meanings from one use of the phrase to the next. And when he said birds of the air, he was referring to uh, the work of the devil, uh, those who do the work of the devil. Now, let's go to another clue, clue number four. Go back to the idea that in Matthew's words, this mustard plant becomes a tree, or in Mark's terms, it forms large branches. Remember how he, how he said that? It becomes larger than the garden plants and forms large branches, so that, in other words, this wouldn't happen if this astounding thing didn't happen. First, first the large branches, and then the birds of the air can nest under its shade. That is abnormal. Mustard plants might grow to varying heights. Some might get bigger than others, but they never become trees. They are little garden plants. Now, this is, I think, a new wrinkle that Jesus introduces in this parable. Yes, he reinforces the themes of the first two parables, but he adds something here. The first parable warned us there will be phony responses. The second parable informed us that beyond those individual personal phony responses, there will be counterfeit believers who will infiltrate the wheat crop, infiltrate the church, wherever it goes. Or you might say like birds of the air, not part of the plant, that nest in its branches. This parable adds the idea, and Jesus is going to elaborate on it later, that the kingdom or that the infiltration will actually affect the way the kingdom of heaven is seen in the world. Now, here we are 2,000 years later. Boy, we know this thing has grown. It is worldwide. It transcends continents, languages, cultures. It, it is a big deal. But if you say the word Christian around the world, many, if not most people in the world, think either of the Roman Catholic Church or the Eastern Orthodox churches, or they might even lump in groups like Jehovah's Witnesses and the Latter-day Saints and, and all of the theological liberals, all who preach false gospel, who preach a, a corruption of the real thing. In other words, a lot of birds 
can nest among the branches of the kingdom of God. Or as Paul put it when he spoke to the elders in the city of Ephesus in Acts 20, verses 29 and 30. He said, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Now he calls them wolves. They're also like birds nesting in the tree. He says, and from among your own, your, from among your own selves men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. That would be those who corrupt and change the nature of things within the church. So the interpretation of this parable is very similar to the first two, but there's this fresh nuance. It will start small, it will grow steadily, and it will include a mixture of good and evil. And in this case, Jesus wanted the disciples to know that there would be influences from outside, from that same source that will snatch the word away if it can. There will be influences from the outside which will find a haven in the church or among the church. There are some who are never saved, but they're going to make it through this world hanging out with the church, hanging out with the true believers. And it looks from the outside, as natural as birds nesting in a tree. But unlike what Romans 9, 10, and 11 is teaching, branches that are grafted in and become organically connected to it, the birds never become part of the tree. It's the tree is what grows up from the seed, and the seed represents the beginnings of the kingdom of heaven in this age. The birds aren't part of the kingdom. They are invaders false converts, the fruit of false, corrupted versions of the gospel. And it is rampant in our age. Another clue that isn't right here in the context is that there was another occasion in which Jesus used this parable. It's over in Luke 13, 10 through 19. I won't take you there, but that was a time when a synagogue official was upset with Jesus about him healing on the Sabbath. Can you believe that? Well, we've seen it a whole bunch of times already in in Mark. And in defending himself and in direct opposition to the satanic pseudo-spiritual leaders of the synagogue, Jesus quotes this parable again. And that tells me that Jesus saw this parable as having something to do with those who hate and oppose him who fancied themselves to be leaders in the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven in this age, as it grows amazingly large, he's saying is going to be infiltrated and counterfeited. Now you put all those clues together, and you see that the kingdom of heaven is here described as Colonel Mustard, I probably should have said Colonel Mustard Seed, at work in the field, with the Word. Now, how do we apply this? What applications can you make from this parable? Well, one I think is obvious. We've already seen it in a a previous parable. Be patient in God's work. The kingdom of heaven grows gradually, relentlessly. 
It is God's work, and we must go about it in God's way and in His timing, but it will get done. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.